0: Season 5 proper of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Adam here with you on this Thursday evening in mid to late November and oh, I'm very pleased to be back to preview the NPL finals action across Queensland. Scott, how have you been?
1: I'm good, James. How are you? It's been a long time since I've been in the studio here, but it's good to be back.
0: Yes, we are finally back. Still keeping a relative distance from everyone, but that's more to do with my body odour than anything else. Adam, how are you? I'm good. It's
2: uh, good to finally be back doing it, uh, doing the show with you. You not so much. <laughs>
0: Thanks for that very much. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that.
2: No, because obviously our uh, our
0: little sort of exploits on a Sunday evening. And yes, that's... which uh, I I would I think I was a part of one or two of those. But were uh, had...
1: you? I might have been sick of you too. I just didn't feel like saying it. I was being kind. Fair oh, enough. this
0: this is a great start. Yes, this is <laughs>
1: season five of the Brisbane Football
0: Review podcast. If you're listening to us for the first time, yeah, this is pretty much what you're going to expect over the next hour or so. We. Started off with the Daily Football Show on Outside 90 back in 2016, and now we're very pleased to be part of the Football Nation radio network, so if you're tuning in on that podcast feed, hello. And uh, for our season premiere show, we're doing it a little bit differently, like everything else has been done over the past nine, ten, whatever months. Uh, Instead of, you know, doing our FFA Cup preview, which we have had so much fun launching the seasons with over the last few years, we're going to go straight into the NPL Finals because we are quite lucky here in southeast Queensland that we've been able to get a full season of competition across all three uh, divisions, including the NPL Men's, Women's, and the Football Queensland Premier League. And coming up this weekend, we've got six semi-finals across about a 27-hour span, all live and exclusive on NPL TV. So, if you haven't already signed up to that, you might hear a familiar voice on one of those semi-finals Saturday afternoon.
1: And Yellows will be commentated expertly as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, well, it, it, it's a great level of support that uh, brought me back for Season 5, I swear. <laughs> okay, before we get into this, if you are tuning in to us for the first time, now I should do a couple of quick social plugs. Facebook is The Raw Review, we're still trying to change that five, five years seasons, later.
2: Five seasons, still trying to change it.
0: I, th- I feel like I'm just saying this more for the running joke now <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of actual hope that Facebook might do something decent. Anyway, Twitter, at BNEFootball, which is where you can find live coverage of all local football events, including the finals this weekend. You guys have done a fantastic job keeping that running for the NPL seasons.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that.
0: And any comments, questions, feedback, whatever, leave a rating and review on the podcast feeds. We're on iTunes, Spotify... Wushka and a bunch of other platforms as well, all good ones, otherwise we wouldn't be on them. And more importantly, uh, email BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Uh, get in touch if you've got any uh, updates on NPL player movement over the off season, because we do have a few new clubs coming in as well, and we always appreciate the tip offs. And, you know, maybe we might actually remember to post it one of these times.
2: And the strike rate for those people who ask questions actually is pretty good, being on the show. So if you want to get your question on board,
0: Definitely. Send us an email. Definitely. Okay, so yes, we are a Brisbane Raw and A League focused podcast most of the time, but we also love our local football. So let's get into what has been a pretty full on season. It started back on February 8th in a rainstorm where only one game actually went ahead on that opening weekend between Peninsula Power and McKein with Sunday's Magpies Crusaders United FC up at Caboolture Sports Complex had to be relocated right. because of the monsoonal downpour while you two were at Suncorp Stadium, I believe. No, you were um, out of the country. No, Adam. I was out of the country. Okay, yeah, well, Scott... I was, was at Suncorp Stadium. It
1: started the week before, actually, don't forget, with the... Um, Football Foundation Cup. Yes, at Lions when they beat Sunshine Coast, I think it was. Yes, yes. Simon... So no. this feels like three years ago in in life terms at the moment, everything that's going on. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, well, Football Foundation Cup, then the season proper yep. began with that fixture between... Uh, Penn Power and Magpies Crusaders United. I think it finished 8-1 from memory, and that was an interesting way to get the season off and running. We then had, I think, six weeks of uh, somewhat rain-interrupted football as the wet yeah. season really kicked in then.
1: Yeah, that first six weeks before everything got shut down was really weird, wasn't it? Because there were so many games that were postponed because of the weather that it made this... When it did come back, Which and we have to be give credit to Football Queens, that the league did come back and get a full season away in all three senior competitions but when it did come back not only were there midweek games because of just having to play full midweek rounds there were at least a dozen of postponed games from the first six weeks that had to be caught up as well
0: yeah you did lose that margin for error with the catch-up weekends um, just trying to get everything Everything back in.
2: Yeah, it was, um, yeah, a busy schedule. Like some some clubs, you know, either prospered or suffered because of a very congested schedule. And uh, look, I think in a lot of cases that may have um, contributed to where they they finished in the league, both for good
0: for good and bad. And look, this is one thing that I've noticed as well. Like going around to all the games, I'm sure you guys have as well. Uh, like the clubs that are in finals position, obviously they're still very eager to you know finish off the season. But there has been an almost unanimous. I'm just glad we've been able to get through this and I'm looking forward to a few weeks off.
1: And that's understandable, given all oh, of yeah. these players started pre-season over 12 November, months ago now. November, November last so they've year. So been, they've been training, and I think Peninsula Power played a game pre-Christmas because Adam mm. and I were up there for a National Youth League game with the Royal playing Melbourne Victory, I believe, and they had a game after that, which they played, and that was pre-Christmas they were playing. So you can completely understand why teams were out of the finals free of the relegation battle. You can understand why players in those, compet- or those teams... We we'll say right. We just need to just take a break, because you can completely understand that more of a mental break than a physical break, really, James. As well. Oh yeah, definitely. But look, we've got
0: we've got our final four, and um, before we get into our specific team by team recaps, why don't we start off with you know just general thoughts on the season? And I think I speak for all us when the lead thought is, Thank God, we got through this.
2: Yeah, I think that's. I think uh, that be the prevailing, so majority. You know, is that. Yeah, it is. We should be thankful that we did get through it because Victoria didn't, uh, and actually again, Queensland football was the beneficiary of that. It was a lot of uh, players that played in Victoria playing trade that were Queenslanders actually came home. We and we saw some very very good players. You know, it's a really inject another level to um to to the MPL. So that that was a great thing. But um yeah, but it's it's been a long season and. And like I said, I think those those clubs, I think they have finished now. I think they'll be they're happy, and there's been
0: a couple more battles left for those. That we play playing finals over the coming weeks. Exactly, and just on that as well, like it was good to see, you know, the because NPL Victoria is full of Queenslanders because, well, you know where the best footballers are bred, mm. and then you get, and you know a lot of them had took the opportunity to come home. You know, some of them through you know necessity more than anything else but it was good to see the overall competition like get boosted by the players taking the opportunity to come back
1: and it wasn't just one club that benefited from that pretty much the whole competition brought back one or two players from from Victoria or other parts of the country over that time so it boosted every team in the competition like raised the level once again and that was really encouraging you started to see that during the results as well teams that you might have thought would win a particular game that those results started to flip around and particularly in the last second half of the season I thought the results started to become much more even so it became a lot harder to pick who would win an individual I'm game. just actually
2: looking at the table now, that's in front of the big screen. Um, I, actually, I think 11 of the 13 clubs actually did bring back a player who played in, in Victoria, so...
0: Um, the yeah. Law Academy might be the uh, one of the exclusions. Yes! <laughs> 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 Although, do you count Ramadak Bari? Well, they I we did go. sign oh. Louis
1: Zabala recently from NPR New South Wales. Does that count? Yeah. Oh, well, there Well, he's we been go. playing with them anyway. I don't know if they signed, yeah. him but
0: anyway.
1: Anyway, yeah. <laughs>
0: so, I think, yeah, it's just been good, and... Like, from a personal perspective as well, like, I'm obviously, you know, do commentary for Football Queensland. That's been so much fun, even the first game back after the resumption of play. It was, you know, I think it was a single-degree digit night out of Talabudra where I was wearing about four layers, and I was just buzzing because we had football back, and I just... It was one of the things that, you know, when we were just sitting there, you know, in the quagmire, just waiting for something to get excited about, that
1: was it. That's the other thing. It started off with a really cold, not like that, but by the time now, we're playing in basically summer. We're going to go from freezing nights to drinks breaks in the final series, probably. Go figure.
0: Welcome to Queensland. (laughs) And for those of you who say that it doesn't get cold in Queensland... I would say go to an NPL ground because oh, yeah. I did uh, Kapalbar Logan in the women's a couple of weeks ago. That breeze at John Frederick's—I like, still had to take one of my winter jackets because it was that cold.
1: We were at Redlands two weeks ago and it was absolutely freezing on a Sunday night there. i am wearing—I'm that November.
2: I'm wearing a heavy jacket and it's middle—it's middle
0: November. You do
1: feel—you do feel like a real
0: moron like leaving the house at 3:30 or something when the sun's still beaming <laughs> down. But you know, like there are three places in southeast Queensland where you still need a jacket in mid-November, Stanthorpe. Toowoomba and whatever NPL ground you're at that <laughs> day <laughs> alright uh, let's go back general thoughts Adam best game best game for
2: me um, there because a few but um, look I actually think uh, it about it was about a month ago uh, Potential Power versus Brisbane Raw yeah. and that minute of madness where which as it turned out the, the season as far as the premiership was decided in the space of a minute yep. because if if um Cyrus Demi scores, potential power down three two, that's probably that's probably they're gone and we probably have and we're probably crowning a new a new premier. But then the fact that, you know, Phil Zabak saves that saves that and we're in a miraculous save, and a minute later they go down the other end and Daniel Clark, you know, scores a win goal for three two. That in the end of the day that was the margin that potential power, you know, you know, wins the premiership by. So I think for me that's for mine, that was the best game of the season, but Look, there's um, a lot of games. That, you know, it was
1: it was a pleasure to be at. Yeah, I'm going recently. It was a final game of the regular season, Olympic and Brisbane City. There was just so much on that game for Brisbane City. They had their survival in the NPL on the line. They played so well. It just wasn't quite enough. They got a three-all draw. Their second-up performance was absolutely superb. If they played like that throughout the full season, I've no doubt they wouldn't be in that position whatsoever. But there was an amazing game and a great atmosphere, James. And we all know that an atmosphere in a football game makes the occasion. And both sets, of, both clubs had a had a very strong set of supporters. They're making noise and supporting their teams. It was a great atmosphere and a really good game. I tell you what, 1,300 people
2: uh, apparently at Goodwin Park on Sunday night, and wow, well, it felt like you no, know, it was triple that.
0: And I get the feeling there could be uh, a much higher number than that this Sunday evening when they host Gold Coast mm. Knights in the grand final rematch, which I only just realised that was going to be the case about an hour ago. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, my game of the season. I'm... uh, I will admit that a lot of my discussion on this is going to give much heavier weight to the games that I've commentated because they're the ones that I remember a lot more of. And I'm actually... I I couldn't pick... I had about a top four in the end, but the one that I'm going to go with actually is one that... It wasn't one that would stand out too much, but Gold Coast Knights against Brisbane Strikers down at Carrara in mid-September. It finished 1-1 Knights against Strikers... Uh, I think it was. Oh, I think it was. Emlyn Wellsmore got sent off just before halftime yeah. for a denial of goal-scoring opportunity foul. And Nice just went. Oh screw it. We're down to ten. Still gonna, just going to go on the attack. And it was just. It was phenomenal. The two fullbacks for Gold Coast Knights. That not. I don't think I've seen t- like two plays in the NPL competition have a better showing than those two. They just completely dictated the run of play. Um, but some of my near misses as well. I've got to go, there was a 4-4 draw with Gold Coast United before the shutdown. Ah, yes. The um, Gold Coast United, in, I think it was Kapalabar, was it? In the... Men's. men's. It was... Yeah. yeah, it was back in March. Um, look it up on Sports TG because I'm drawing <laughs> a blank right now. Uh, there was the 5-5 between Lions and the Gap, which, again, I didn't commentate, but...
1: That was in the NPL Women's. That was yep. in the
0: NPL yep. Women's, yes. Um, and just in terms of a madcap finish in a relegation battle, I've also got to go... Uh, Brisbane City uh, against East at Heath Park it was a bit of a not much for 80 odd minutes Ante Poliak with a free kick 82nd minute and then Alex Simmons with a bicycle kick to level it in stoppage time phenomenal finish which like just brought the that whole was, level of the game That was a
2: Thursday night game if I remember
0: correctly so. Th- that was the start of me doing four yeah. games in four days and Possibly that was the most fun fun weekend I've had doing commentary. I'll I'll just
2: throw one more up there that that deserves an honourable mention, and that was actually the week um, from two weeks ago, um, the mad finish at uh, Walter Park between uh, Moreton Bay United and Brisbane City, which pretty much there you thought, you know, that pretty much was, we thought, maybe the final nail in Brisbane City's coffin as far as, you know, their survival hopes. But it then just shows, you know, how much they picked themselves up and tried their best to, you know, yeah, you know, against Olympic a week later. Um and and yeah, but that that was a memorable finish that um you know, so sort if of I have some sort of slight slight, you know soft spot for Morton, Morton Bay United and that was a that was a great night as well. and they're easily their biggest crowd of the season.
1: We'll talk about Morton Bay, they had the five all draw midweek against Gold Coast, they had the big league and oh, le- big oh, lead and right. and Gold Coast I made the comeback. I've got one from FQ Pills, so I might save that for a bit later on. Uh, I can do it now if you want. Yeah, we'll do it now. What, it was um, Logan beating Thunder at home. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a really good game yep. as well.
0: And actually, well, and another standout moment for me as well was actually from that weekend where I did four games in four days. One was co-commentary, but I'm still counting that on my tally. Um, it was actually also involving Logan Lightning in the FQPL. They hosted Wynnum Wolves. I was exhausted after the first 45 minutes of that game. Just It was end-to-end absolute cracking goals and a couple of uh, Save of the Weekend contenders as well. I think oh, yeah, Mike, Max
2: McCullough scored an absolute you know absolute beauty in front of the um,
0: Logan Clubhouse. Yeah fans, that's right. So, yeah. And because I think I'm trying to remember which side of the pitch he shot it from but you'd see the ball just bend and completely wrong foot the keeper as well. It was one that he just couldn't do anything about but that was just a stunning goal. Let's use that to keep uh, going in terms of best goals. So obviously that one from Max McCullough or Nicola I think I called him on the night <laughs> um, that rocket shot was just ridiculous um, Billy Murphy had a volley for Kapalabar women against lines in the in early March it was yeah. a 2-1 victory for lines but Murphy got the game uh, off and running with it. absolute wow. belter from Remember that goal? 30 yeah, plus we were there. yeah you guys were on the other side yeah. of the pitch I was trying to work out what happened with Mariel Hecker that <laughs> that's that what you were too <laughs> she's on the starting list but she's <laughs> over there on the bench um Late injury withdrawal for those playing at home. Um, and the other goal that I remember was from that aforementioned East against Brisbane City game, Alex Simmons' bicycle kick to equalise yeah, it. just The balls to try that, unbelievable.
1: Oh, speaking of East, my goal of the year was Abraham Yango. It was the first week back oh, yeah. from the lockdown. He picked the ball up on the halfway line, skipped past about three or four Peninsula Power defenders and with a, a great finish. It was one of those goals, when you see it, it's just absolutely perfect there are a few others I'll let Adam go through a couple of them but that was my personal favourite
2: yeah look I've got I've got two um, that that stand out and 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 they've been in in recent weeks the the Tusker Sakia. they were in 24 hours
1: weren't they uh no oh go ahead sorry yeah they were
2: Oh, they were yes they were yes yes they were when twenty four hours I think I had yeah, two goalie contenders in um in within the space twenty four hours Tusker against um against Brisbane City um on Sunday night where he basically uh he basically lobbed uh, Matt Symes. Yeah, just unbelievable
0: goal. Yep. Which, I, which
2: on the Sunday Night Show I actually compared it to the uh, Shinji Ono goal against Brisbane Raw in that semi-final a few years ago. Do you we, remember so that? Apologies,
1: Raw fans, for that. Yeah, okay. and what, I actually, what, actually went yeah, back. Final? I don't know. I thought it was like Eric Cantona personally. But yeah, anyway. and <laughs> actually,
2: it was actually very, very similar. Um, you know, actually watching them both sort of back to back almost. And but the other one as well that you know, Daniel Clark's goal um, against Lions on last saturday night as well which had the most acute angle which i was you know, a fantastic goal um for clark but also as well probably rob Mark madley of a um confidence uh, raising goal because i'm sure that was supposed to be a, a cross for him but uh
1: so i'm it, sure it was within 24 hours i remember like mocking about that on, on sunday yeah. at half time but the other one i'm thinking of just sitting here i think it was show koto for sunshine coast wanderers at brisbane roar academy it was a beautiful shot from the halfway line the ball Rolled to me, just, just hit it yeah. and it went straight over Nathan Foster, I believe, in goal that day. Unbelievable finish.
2: And there's also as well. I know we weren't at the game, and it, it was sort of sort of it was um sort of hidden in the archives. But Harrison Bowen's goal uh, against Thunder, which look ultimately that that was actually an important goal because that's the goal that pretty much cost Thunder promotion. Um, he he he, yeah. he scored the game winner with uh, just a insane volley.
0: Oh, um, that's right, I remember. Yeah, that.
2: <laughs> which they they're actually saying, you know, it could be almost Puskas worthy. But uh, yeah, and that, that ultimately that goal is what's um, what's prevented Thunder from being um, being Premier Surf QPL and a spot in in uh, MP MPL next
0: season. Okay, so well, move on a little bit now just to the general league discussion. as well. the one thing that's jumped out at me is just the fact that it seems like overall scoring might be a little bit down for the top teams, yeah. but at the bottom as well, like Brisbane City thirty-seven goals, Capalaba thirty-five. It seems like the goals have been coming for everybody not just it's not as top heavy as you might have seen in previous years where like the Premiers would have been scoring 100 and conceding 8 or whatever
1: yeah it's also four fewer games than we had last season like, given we have three we three fewer teams at the start of the year I believe All, sorry one fewer team because three went down two came up so we had so we had one fewer team and obviously Magpies because withdrew when the shutdown happened because of logistical reasons them travelling down was not going to work for them particularly for midweek games so and I'm assuming
0: up, like sorry just to cut you yep. off we're, like none of us have an issue with that. Just in terms of like these guys are still part-time footballers, yeah. and you couldn't ask them to take leave from jobs that are at the moment precious, yeah. pretty much everyone. Well, one
2: thing that you know it's, easy, it's easier easier to point fingers and say, oh, you know, it's not fair for you know, Mackay to you know to get a pass on that. But also, so you've got to consider as well that if yes, you're asking part-time footballers from Mackay to come down to Brisbane potentially midweek but you're also, other way, because obviously they would have had some home games, you're asking yeah. part-time footballers from Brisbane to possibly give up two, three days' work to go play play up in Mackay's. So, look, at the end of the day, you know, with, you know for, yeah. whether it's of benefit or of disadvantage, I think, you know, no, absolutely no problem. It just yeah. was just logistically, and also as well, it probably saved um, FQ um, a certain amount of um, funds as well, which, you know, could have been used elsewhere. Um, obviously, because because obviously no, they don't have to subsidise the travel between Mackay and,
1: and Brisbane every week. Yeah, the bottom line it was impractical this year with all the midweek games mm. for Mackay to remain in the competition. I think they're going to be back next year, which is a good thing to have they them are, back. They're already announcing yeah. uh, yep. They're they they a good addition to yeah. the league since they've been in the last couple of years, and we look forward to seeing them back, but this year, logistically impossible. But you mentioned the table, James, and how close is in that mid-table pack, and I think this sums it up. Morton Bay are on 32 points in this year's table. They finished near the bottom last year and had 34 points. <laughs> so that battle in the mid-pack there is much closer than ever. And as you yep. look at it, there's a five-win gap between fourth and fifth. So, well, the top four are still kicking clear. The mid-table pack are taking points off each other, and that inconsistency hmm. is what's causing all those teams, which are which are really good on their day, if they could consistently get the points, they'd be in around that top four mix. But that's the big thing I look at when I see the table, James. There's four teams there who are in double-digit wins. All the rest are at a maximum of nine.
0: And that was one thing that I really enjoyed about the final few weeks as well. Is, okay. <laughs> Yes, we knew who were going to be the top four. It's the exact same makeup as last yeah. season. So we were robbed a little bit of drama there, but at least like everything else pretty much has been up for grabs in the final few weeks. Like Pen Power won the premiership with two games to spare from memory, one or two games to spare.
1: They won it in the second last week. Yeah,
0: there we go. Um but like even going into the final round, like Gold Coast Knights and Lions were both still competing for that third place. Um and yeah, even like the relegation race went down to the final um, we, we, we,
2: were, we were still talking with three weeks yeah. ago that potentially there could have been six teams that could have been relegated in one spot. Yeah, uh, that, that's how close it was. Obviously, results and matchups and whatnot favoured, and that obviously it was a process of elimination. But still, you still had a number of teams that were five foul East finished seventh, and they were probably two weeks prior to that. They were saying, "Wow, well, they they need they need they need to go to Kapalabar and win midweek just to secure safety. So otherwise, they had lost that game." they may have been in, in sort of, you know, that final week sort of, you know, frantic sort of, you know, play. So, yeah, it, it's just, it was actually, you know, the relegation race, I think it just shows that, you know, when, when the, you got, obviously, the premiership and obviously the best clubs normally rise at to top. But that that whole relegation race was just fascinating because realistically, you only had two or three teams
0: that were safe. And it did give you a bit of a mathematical headache as well because for this season, the tiebreaker was brought in to uh, much to the chagrin of... Quite a few people um, to make the primary tiebreaker between teams that finish level on points number of wins. Now, there were a lot of complaints about that, and I can understand because, by the sounds of things, not a lot of teams read the competition mm. rules before, yeah. um, like or sign before they signed off on them. Basically, treating them like the um, Apple terms and conditions when you have to update the software on your phone or iPad or something. But um, for me, like still didn't get an explanation about that like my my theory is basically it was brought in as an insurance policy in terms of the season having to be interrupted again and uh, basically needing to order a Premier where you might have had one team with 17 games played another one with 15 or whatever.
1: And it seems like a lot of teams didn't realise this until yeah. it was right near the end of the season. I think it was Redlands United who were the first to pick up on it. I think it was, that it was Power. They were they, they were the first two to really pick up on it because Power said we're going to win the league on Friday yep. night if they beat Capalaba, and just ended up That's... doing. And that was the thing that brought the rule out into the public domain. Until then, it was very much uh, is this actually accurate or not?
0: And also, just a point as well for the complaints of saying, you know, only in Australian football, good enough for the Brazilian league. Oh,
2: look, at the end of the day, um, I, I look at it as a fact, is that I've got no issues with that. I, it, there's nothing that has to say oh, that we have to follow the same models everywhere else, apparently, in the world. the only I think the only issue is, is that the fact it was only really publicly communicated three weeks out from the finals, where, you know, teams... Teams are, you know, sort of, you know, their survival is on the line. Look, if, if it if it stays for next season and if it means it encourages teams to play for wins rather than playing for draws or, you know, settling for draws or whatnot, then I think we're going to have a better, more exciting product and better league. The only thing is that FQ need to get on the front foot and advertise it from day one. Yeah. And, and then not bend if there's complaints of, because of the traditionalists.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, for me, like... It would be the, my third choice of tiebreaker. I actually prefer head-to-head mm. in terms of separating yeah. teams. That's if, what the
1: league I do, isn't it? In Spain, that's how they do it. Champions yep. League as
0: well. Um, and I'm uh, fairly, sorry,
2: not Champions League. Um, Asian Champions League. I should and
1: say. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's in UEFA yeah, now actually, as well.
2: Yeah, I it is
0: too. Yeah. And I know that was discussed at one point for like all the big FIFA tournaments mm. as well. So, but anyway, look, you play by the rules in front of you. Yeah. That's that's the key takeaway there. And it was you know determined that it was number of wins. So. That's what you're going to play by. And that tiebreak has meant that Brisbane City went down, despite finishing level on Capalaba with 20 points each. And
1: yep. yeah. yeah, Can I say on that, if, before, before people start making excuses for Brisbane City, and we'll talk about the teams individually shortly, but I'll go back to the lockdown period, James. They had six points from five games. Yeah, it's not they, like they were... So they had six points from five games. Brisbane Strikes had two points from five games. Brisbane Strikes picked up 26 points from 19 games, spent on 28 points. Brisbane City get fourteen points from nineteen games. Yeah, well, they have plenty of opportunity. I'll go, I'll go so the tiebreaker, as much as it's frustrating at the end of the season, you've got a full season to be able to get the wins or goal difference, whatever it is in any given league, to be able to stay up in the competition. So well, I'll go
2: one play. I'll go one sort of spot further. And Sunshine Coast Wanderers were on a single point after five games, and they've and they've ended up on twenty five five points. Yeah. So twenty four in in seventeen. Yeah, you know, like I said, the, and, that, and that's why they're they're safe. But as, as I said, just on Brisbane City, and I will cover it more. We'll, we'll lead off with
0: Brisbane City. We'll just use this as a transition to go okay, yep. into it.
2: The, the, and, I, and I sort of said this, you know, I said privately Scott when we are at the ground, and also as well on on the show, is that it comes down simply that if they had played like they did against Morton Bay two weeks ago, if they had played like Olympic, they wouldn't be thirteenth and going down FQPL. They, like I said. It's just, it was some really, really ordinary, insipid performances in August and September when they thought, oh, no one's looking, no pressure's on us, you could just, thinking this GK can just drop eight games straight and not, not be carrying the wall, no no pressure to bear on the players or the coach or whatnot, and this is how it's manifested, because at the end of the day, when you're trying to beat the fifth and second team in two weeks in a row to survive, that's not always going to work out for you, so... For those who are saying, oh, it's not that, you know, oh, that it's not right that a side like Brisbane City go down because of their history and whatnot, well, you know what? They had, they had 24 games to get it
0: right. And ju- Just on that, well, if tradition, you know, counted for anything, Leeds never would have been relegated. Hmm. Yes. Not- Nottingham Forest wouldn't be.
1: There you go. But also the game you called the week before the game's James Adams, friend with the game at home against Kapalabar, that was another good performance from them.
0: That well, was, it was stunning. It
1: was, it was three good performances that were too late, and that's the problem. And yeah. I think it actually stems back to they did change coach... In lockdown, I'm not not blaming the outgoing coach, or the incoming coach Matt Smith, but it's changes like that during season that can set up things like this. And it's they also lost a couple of players. They lost John Carlos Laws. No, a couple of other players didn't come back from lockdown either. So they did lose some players, and that plus a change of coach, I think, and along with a young squad, I do think that probably played a big impact in where they finished.
0: I think I think that recruitment excuse is a complete load, if I'm being honest. Mm. They recruited really well. Yep. They had more talented defenders than they could put onto a pitch unless you're playing with the Jose Mourinho <laughs> s- setup. Like, that, like, talent was not an issue for Brisbane City and this is just what I took away from commentating them. That club is just utterly dysfunctional. The number of times where I've, like, I was calling their games and I was trying to listen to six different Brisbane City players screaming instructions at one another and this is stunning for a club that is led by Matt Smith who I, you know, I would honestly follow you know, right off the edge of a cliff most of the time, but just the lack of leadership on the pitch there. It's been
1: on that for a while, though. Let's be honest. That's not just, yes. that's, that's not a twenty twenty issue for Brisbane. No, been but going that's on what's really for a while. Out.
0: That's what's really left out, leapt out to me is like that game at East. Like one of the defenders, the one who I'm not a big fan of, was screaming at everybody else on the pitch. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And it's probably the reason why he's on his third club this year. Um, and he just. Like I was honestly stunned he didn't get sent off because he was trying to referee the game, he was trying to coach the game, he was trying to do everything except I don't know actually play football. And frankly, they're the sort of players that City need to get rid of, and they're the re- and those sorts of players are the reasons why they lost seven games in a row and why they're in the position they're in now. They've got a phenomenally talented like, group yeah. of young players. You've yeah. got the feckness. uh You've got Reese Gray, the young fullback, who I saw playing for Terrace as well. He's a really good young player, yeah.
1: isn't he? Since he broke into that side late in the season, he's really good.
0: Compared to what I saw him playing at Terrace under uh, John Cosmina to what he was doing at Brisbane City, it's night and day. He's gone to a whole other level and, yeah. like, with all due respect to Brisbane City, they're going to be lucky to hold on to him for much longer because he has just been absolutely, like, a stunning standout performer. He and Tyson Martin are probably the two Best players I've seen for that team in the last couple of weeks. do I even
2: think, guys, you to, to, to about giving young players a chance as well. Uh, like Brisbane City, they they brought in, like I so said, they brought in a couple of players. They brought in Daniel Fabrizio, you know, from Edgeworth Eagles. Who, yes, he's a, he is a son of a former player, so you can probably say, you know, if, if he, that you know he there. the, there's a link there. But while he sort of struggled to sort of you know, get get his form and fit into that side. You had a young Alex Simmons who, you know, we saw we saw sort of growing in you know, the last sort of season or so and he, he ended up finishing this season on a bang. Imagine if he had those three or four weeks to, you know, play, you know, 90 minutes worth of football, you know, grind out, you know, how much better he would have been for it. So, it's just a lot of um unfortunate sort of choices and, and whatnot that, you know, Brisbane City find themselves, and they like said, they're going down, and the, I think the problem is as well as a club that it's going to be a problem is that they've got a very, very talented you know, academy size and under-18s or, you know, and under-20s which will be under-23s next season. But like I said, they're now going to have to play FQPL size, and I'll, I'll give you a tip, if, if City's senior team doesn't doesn't, you know, have success. Their, their junior team's just going to run the board in in um, in um FQPL next season.
0: Yeah, so so basically what we are saying was, horrible season for uh, City's senior team, but not all hope is lost for the future. They just need oh, to... Oh, yeah, yeah, like, I just... And also, there was... And I will go back to that game I saw them do against Kapalabar. I was told, like, it was the club president that got kicked out for abusing the Kapalabar bench, swearing at them, and everything as well and I was just like
1: that goes back to the dysfunction that you were talking about
0: earlier uh, that's what I was told you know I'm happy to be corrected if that wasn't the case but like that's that just sums everything up like it should have been a banner night for that club as they tried to you know stave off relegation and they you know were too busy getting into arguments off the pitch so yeah it some like something needs to be done I will say you know they've got a they've got such a good base to build on that's Mm. And it's a pretty good ground as well the pizza Raven will still be there next year yes. that's also very important let's move on to Kapalibar. Uh finished 12th um, we're going to work our way up the table oh, by okay. the way Scott I <laughs> a yeah. confused look on your face so 20 points 6 wins 2 defeats 16 losses minus uh, 37 goal difference they really like. they battled hard but jeez you saw like well, one
2: one-third of that was in one game against East, and, that, and that's another one probably, you know, for, for standout moments of the season, uh Scott and I were at that East vs. Kapalabar game, and that was just a night where you know, everything touched the goal for East, and unfortunately Kapalabar were on the end of a major flogging, and um, that's sort of one-third. But, look, they showed signs uh, now and then that, you know, they were up to, you know, Short Edgar, you know, you know obviously was sort of a standout player for them, but the problem was that you take Stuart Edgar out of that, out of, that uh, out of the game, and they've really got not much left as far like and Rio I know as well. He sort of flowed in and out of out of games. Um, Scott Coulson was you know pretty decent, but uh, yeah, they just didn't have enough um,
1: cattle, I guess, you know, in the big moments. Well, I can't even talk about Kapala. I did score two really good goals. But I look back on this season. This is a pass mark for them. I think we all had them in and around the bottom end of the table, and for them to survive this season in the NPL, I imagine that would have been their goal. And they had some quite good wins along the way. They had two wins over their local rivals. Redlands United, who they haven't played in a very long time, and the games, particularly the second game at home, clearly meant a lot to them. And that front four you look at with Alex Warlow, Scott Coulson, um, Stuart Eggie you mentioned, and Rio Ono, when those when they combine really well, they're a really dangerous attacking team. It's at the back end of the back end of the defence, in particular, where they might need to tighten up a bit. And the other thing they probably had, they dropped so many games in the last 15, 20 minutes of games yeah. when they just just faded out of games. That's probably the big thing they need to work on, just ah. to, to continue to fight at M.P.L. a little bit. It's a good first season for them for me.
0: Yeah, I had them finishing 12th, back, which is where they actually wound up finishing, one spot above relegation. And also, on that as well, like Conor Booth in midfield, he, you know, workhorse, he will not yeah. stop running. But I think their squad might have just been a bit light this yeah. year because even, like, you said they finished, uh, they ran out of legs in the last few minutes of games. I think they also just ran out of legs quite a lot in. Um, like just in the final few weeks of the season they were as were
1: well. a lot of under-20s players, weren't they? Yeah,
0: they were by the end, which is again, you know, it's what you want to see. They had before. eight
2: under-20s for that final game against um, Knights, so that should sort of show that, you know, they were sort of... Yeah, and it's a concern that they were on the brink of relegation, they were probably a couple of minutes away from that, unknowingly, obviously, 24 hours down the road. You know, it was a fair risk to play so many young players in your final game, but um, yeah, look, uh, they got, they got a, they've got a base to work on, but I think they're going to need
0: a bit more depth. Alright, moving on. 11th place, place, Gold Coast United. 5 wins, 8 draws, 11 defeats. Um, 37 goals for 47 against minus 10. Uh, I would say their standout moment of the season actually was in that first game back from the resumption where they beat Brisbane City 3-2 on the back of... What was that? Fantastic free kick from Cian Cuba. The now departed Cian Cuba who's uh, swapped the
1: club nickname... On the, on his shirt. the epitome of inconsistency, Gold Coast United. At their best, they're really good, but they just don't bring that often enough. To, I, did, I did like the show that they've started to bring back some of those Gold Coast United legends of the A-League days. James Brown. James Brown's back. Shane Smeltz is back. Michael Thwaites there. You had Christian Reese coaching them. They're now coached by Matt Osman, another former player. So you're starting to see people affiliated, affiliated with the Gold Coast United A-League days moving back into that. The other thing that's really good about them is they've given... A lot of young players an opportunity. I know Zahi Addis, the left back, got a debut at 16 years age. I know that I personally thought he was really impressive for a few weeks. I thought Adam thought the same as well. You he was, yeah, yeah. Yes. he was really good for a few weeks. And it's good to see them giving yeah. players an opportunity like that. But it's just the results haven't been there consistently for them, and that's that's why they are where they are talent wise. They, they, we talked about it in the season preview show, James. They could be a team challenging for top four, but was that five wins for the season for Gold Coast? Yep. No, that just sums it up. They don't win enough games, unfortunately.
0: Five, yeah, five wins and eight draws, like. They were had, they had their moments but I think that, again sort of like some of these other clubs as well they were really struggling to find their identity like I look back at I look back at Gold Coast and I was like they've got good players but I'm not quite sure what they're good at like Michael Thwaite excellent leader at the back um, Shane smells plenty of you know uh, let's call it guile up front but Sam Smith I think has been probably one of the biggest disappointments of the season up front yeah
1: yeah, I think he got four goals for the season which given his output for yeah. Knights and Gold Coast City prior to that when he was in the competition a few years ago that's a, lot, that's a That's down for him but I think he also missed a fair portion of the season as well I was going to
0: say health was a big issue for him as well the, I did um, the M1 derby at um, Logan when the rule were allowed there um, and yeah he did not look like he did not look like himself in that game he was you know, lumbering around the pitch, frustrated at himself, the opponents, the referees, pretty much anybody, and I just kind of thought, yeah, that that's probably one of those things that maybe they might have to try and look elsewhere for a striking option next season.
2: Yeah, and look, uh, yeah, I agree. That's probably with the roster they had, they they were a disappointment. But I can I can encapsulate their season in one 90-minute period. Then the worst of them was the first half against Morton Bay, where they were down four-nil. And the best of them was when they ended up equalising to make it five all, because they they were just such a hot and cold team, and that just sort of really showed that you know when they were on, they were great. Alexander Guy is another one I think who's really sort of that was a good great. sign. Yeah, he he had a, he had a great season. I think he know, was their best player actually. Yeah, that you know that basically you know, he's made that step from being you know top of FQPL when he was playing for Logan. You know he really sort of established himself as a quality player in MPL, albeit on a sort of a underperforming team. Um, but but yeah, look that that to me that was pretty much their season story that they were they are terrible in some days, but then they're also brilliant others. So I think they've got a bit to work with um, as well. But and then again, I don't know how long they can rely on the likes of Michael Thwaite or Shane Smeltz at either end of the park to so continue. Go. Aidan Munford was another one. I think I think we're going to find out a lot about in, in the next few seasons, if not at Gold Coast United, but maybe somewhere higher because he is a quality keeper.
0: Yep, and one of the standout players as well. Just before we move on. Uh, Justin Mackay as well. He filled a few, quite a few yeah, different another roles. Wily
2: veteran he yeah. is. The is experience they be- had though should be higher yeah, up the table. Yeah. Really,
0: coach's best friend there. Mm. Right, uh, Redlands didn't get to see as much of them as I would have liked this season. But when I did, like that was a team to me that it felt like the what is it? The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. <laughs> like they might not have been the most talented team a lot of the time, but they battled for seven victories,
1: two draws, which was good enough to survive by three points. I feel like at this point we should be playing the Great Escape at this point, talking about Redlands United, because it's not just this year that they've done that. It's the last couple of years as well. You've got to give them credit for the resilience to be able to do that, James. To your point, they are a team where the whole is better than the sum of the parts, and you started to see that in the last month of the season. I think that was their best part of the season obviously they picked up three wins and a draw Mm. in the back five or six weeks of the season yep those results were absolutely crucial for them it's the start of the season that I was really concerned by they played a couple of teams at home very early on and they got double digit losses I think or near enough to in that first six weeks of the season that was where things started poorly for them but once again they've turned it around and they'll be in the competition next year
2: yeah, look, they're 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 a very uh, working class team, if I can sort of think of an analogy to that. that basically, that. That, yeah, they, they're, sort of really, they're, they're a good team, they're a great team, they, they work hard. I think what has actually got them over the line is Latham Dunn. I think in the last month, he showed what a quality player he was when he was given the opportunity to pretty much express himself. He, he's playing within the system at relevance of what we saw. That, you know, he didn't sort of do much. But last month, it was like Jordan Manning and Graham Harvey just sort of let the shackles go on him. And he, he was probably, for me actually, you take away the top four teams if if you have like if you sort of you know, tier tear the the competition he was probably, for mine you know the best player in in sort of that i guess in that relegation battle. cuz he to me he was the difference as far as you know getting redland's home
0: yeah and jordan manning like he deserves a lot of the credit yep. for getting them to that position as well he is going to be a big loss cuz by the sounds of it he's going to the raw to be an assistant coach next yes, season yes yes um, and also scott i just want to point out this is a bit of a behind the music thing okay. your maths is wrong on the table never uh, Redlands... that would never be right <laughs> Redlands United are... Oh yeah <laughs> what we got? Ah, yeah I see it yep Redlands United you can United explain played... this to me later Redlands United played 26 games according to your table oh did they okay <laughs> <laughs> and Sunshine Coast Wanderers played losses. 23 maybe
1: <laughs> okay so and Sunshine Coast Wanderers played 23 let's move on to the Wanderers thanks for pointing that out by the way I really appreciate that hey aren't you glad we're back yeah. for another season <laughs> that's a great bus you drove over off me then I appreciate it <laughs> um, back in mid-season Gross. form all right. Uh, we'll
0: quickly roll through the middle of the table. Sunshine Coast Wanderers seven wins, four defeats, and I'm going to guess based on those numbers, thirteen losses. Um, they came home. They they finished strongly as well. A couple of mid-season signings yeah. made a big difference.
1: Yeah, and that's the big thing. It was also it was the second half of the year where they did get all their points, as Adam pointed out earlier. And it was a couple of additions they made: Tyson Holmes and Mitch Cooper were really impressive for them. It was also the home form, I think, which got them over the line and the end to finish comfortably mid-table because a lot of those seven wins would have come at Ballinger Park. Yeah. Which has become a tough place place to go for people. This I've year. got to
0: get to a. Ga- I've got to go and call a game at Ballinger Park. Unfortunately, that's uh, Jared's neck of the woods. That's his local ground. So I think he's got first dibs on any games there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. That's, yeah. Sunshine Coast. Uh, we did say, uh, for, yeah, you know, in the, the season preview sort of that they had to make Ballinger Park a fortress, and they they were able to, you know, take a massive scalp in um in Gold Coast Nights. So it's actually you know cost Gray Pettic's job. So. I think that would be for them, you know, not that, not that they'd be taking joy out of seeing someone lose his job, but that was probably their you know, high mark as far as the season go to, to knock off um, the reigning rain, the two grand final winners. Uh, and it's like not, it's not as if Gold Coast Knights collapsed either. They played well for that win, and it was sort of those games at home they played well, which I think it was enough to see them sort of get you know get over the line and you know
0: play MPL um, for the second season. Yeah, definitely. No arguments with Sunshine Coast Wanderers finishing in that mid-table vicinity. I think that's about where they belong. But like the battling, the battling nature of that club definitely doesn't surprise me. It even goes back to that Football Foundation Cup. We saw them really push Lions for, what well, at least the first half. I'm fairly certain, and they put quite a few scares through them then, like on that night. So
1: good for them. Yeah, absolutely, it's good to see them. We wanted kind of it's way more patronised. No, than we, I put, we to wanted a team there. from the Sunshine Coast to come up into the NPL and be competitive. They most certainly been that.
0: Yes, definitely. I might have to do a uh, road trip to Ballinger Park next season. Off you go. Yep. Uh, Brisbane Strikers looked for a while like they were going to be in the relegation mix, but they found their form, and uh, NPL will be at Perry Park once again in 2021. Adam, we'll lead off with you, because I know what Scott's going to say.
2: <laughs> yeah, look, uh, look, if Gold Coast United were a sort of a disappointment, uh, Brisbane Strikers are probably behind, not not far behind them. Um, look, they they did what they had to do, I think. at the end. I think... Um, the, the sort of, the predict, like after a slow start, maybe people thought, oh, here they go again, they're going to, they're going to rattle off, you know, they're just slow stars and whatnot, but it never really came, but they obviously won the games they needed to win. Um, a Shocking loss to Redlands, which pretty much, they gave Redlands the hope that, you know, that, that they could survive, and that's actually what, pretty much catapulted them over the line now, uh, but it looked like strikes at the end of the season, they, they knew they were, they were sort of safe, and they sort of switched off, and so, yeah, so, Reports are that next season that it's going to be changing the guard. Um, John Cosmina uh, signed as coach, departing uh, Owen Baker. But uh, we've also heard that it, that you know it'll be a lot of young players next season. It'll be a, a very developmental style thing. So will it be enough to, you know, to survive next season? You know, you got the Wiley coach, you know, Wiley veteran of a coach, you know, coaching kids. It'll be interesting to see where how they go next season. Look, they did enough this season.
1: They'll also be FQPL next year, James, because Southside Eagles play a lot of home games at Park to Puri as well. But to your point about the young players, well, they're playing games is, this year. They, so play, some, they play some they of them. They mix day. it up playing it both. But In terms of the Strikers, they, we've seen their academy come to bear fruit this year. Will Karambra came in, played up front. He's done quite well for them. We've seen Cooper McCormick, when he left the role when he was playing at right back, they signed him at the Strikers, played him up front, and he played really well for them as well. So he, They've got some good young players there now, along with some experience like Chris Ma, Michael McGowan, if he stays on, um, Fraser Hills, Ryan Palmer. You've got experienced players in and around that, so it's not like it's going to be a full team of the kids next year. If they can maintain the nucleus of what they have and maybe bring some more, if they've got some more good young kids in the yeah. 20s and the 18s to bring through, I think it, they'll still be a really good side. But the, the thing is, th- that's not what Brisbane Strikers used to be. They used to be a team which aspired a bit at the very top. It seems like they've taken a step, ba- step back now, for whatever reason it is, they've decided they want to be more of a development club which is a good thing in a sense that they're going to be producing young players in Queensland and there's not enough outlets for young players to get a chance in the NPL so I think that's a good thing
2: look maybe maybe it might be one step back for two steps forward that they believe that you know it it is time for renewal and that you know maybe by developing young 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 talent in their academy they've got you know a fantastic technical director in Nacho Ferrer we're going to find out a lot about how good he is as technical director, you know going going forward as well, and him and John Cosmina at the helm. So it might be a case of they're thinking a longer term game. You know, obviously it's an it was an ageing squad this year, um, obviously, and and you know, obviously yeah, young players coming through. But the the Newcastle team are an ageing squad, so it might be a case of let's take a step back and you know look.
0: It'll, it'll be interesting next season to see them how how they perform. Yep. Uh, and also I get the feeling Owen Baker won't be out of a job for long if he wants one I can think of a couple that he will possibly walk into if uh, if they're willing to take him and um, I will mention be two or three available so I will mention those names when we finish recording because I don't want to get in trouble (laughs) Um, All right, 7th place Eastern Suburbs big table um, quite a few departures looming for this side as well Um, Danny Wright got the club home in the end, um, to James Meyer and Jade North looks like they're hanging up the boots as yep. well. We'll just go quickly with these. Uh, Adam?
2: Yep. Yeah, uh, look, James Meyer stand out night against Capalaba in that 10 2 win, uh, five goals, and in about you know, half an hour of play. Well, it's a bit more than that, but but uh, it, seemed, it seemed like that. That's how quickly the game was going along. But yeah, look, East, again, um, mid table. That's probably where they're aiming for. Uh, they did well. Like, Abraham Yango was playing well. Ante Polyak was a was a great uh, signing to mid-season. Um, yeah, look, you, you expect them to be there about there and about this next season if they can retain a lot of their players.
1: Polyak finished on double-digit goals, which is a great effort given he only arrived halfway through the season. So he had a massive impact when he returned from Victoria. I thought they were really solid side Ethan. So it'll be interesting to see, James, just how big a loss players like Jade North and James Meyer will be for them. Obviously, tremendously experienced players, A-League champions... Jade North's former soccer so it's tremendous experience to lose, but it seems like they've got some good young kids coming through there because they play. They played the Raw in an A-League trial game recently, and their young players played quite well against the Raw. So it looks like there's some good young kids to replace those players coming through.
0: Yeah, I've got no dramas with you know the future at East. It seems like they've got quite a lot going for them, and yeah, I quite like going to Heath Park as well. So I'm glad that they're uh, (laughs) still up and running. That's your local, isn't it? I think it's the closest one to where we are. Yeah. Anyway, um, Raw Academy, we'll keep this fairly quick because, well, it's a Raw youth yeah. team. <laughs> but all I will say is, this is probably the best Raw um, NPL side that I've seen since I really started following it.
1: Statistically, it's not. The season two years ago was better, but this team was really well-rounded. Wasn't it? it had some really good prospects in it that looked like they're going to make potential A-League debuts this year. we've about Cyrus Demi, maybe Hassan Ramazani, Macklin Frake will be the reserve goalkeeper. Kiki Yelich will be in the squad, and unfortunately, the one player who would have... I think been a shoo-in for a debut for the Raw this year is Harry Talbot yeah. who unfortunately got injured midway through the season and he was a massive loss in the middle of midfield there is a really good midfield player I'm sure he'll be back but it's a massive loss for the Raw I thought they were quite good this year once again they've got for them it's all about development of their younger players and they've plenty of players have taken a big step forward this year so for them it's an absolute pass mark 9 wins for them that's that's excellent.
2: Yep. Um look congratulations to Chris Grossman, Luke Balastrazi and the whole team there. They they actually they actually look like a team this year. Yep um like rather than being oh' we'll, we'll play them, we'll tick them over and players until they until they get called away for you know, a league or whatever and it actually looked like a team I think when they, they had to sell team that was when they're at their best um a good a good win last round against Morton Bay um amongst a, a number of um good wins uh and then ne- and they nearly they nearly sort of, um you know toppled Peninsula powers so it, like it, it nothing but yeah, it was it was a good season for them overall um maybe not as many losses. Uh, a few, the few, a few uh, losses there probably they shouldn't have, but look, it comes on the turf, where it comes to Brisbane raw Youth. Well,
1: for a lot of the season, they were in the top four mix we thought they might be the team that breaks in if somebody does. And unfortunately, I think it was discipline which almost did them. And they had a couple of players missing yeah. for chunks of the season, a, lot, a few red cards, few more than what Chris Grossman and Luca would have liked. But I think that's what did them. But it's still a really good season for a side which is essentially 17 and 18 year olds.
0: Yeah, and in terms of you know being A League fans of the Raw as we all are. Like the future for that team yeah. is very, very yep. good. Like just watching them play this year, I looked at half a dozen and thought, okay, you know, they are not gonna be week in, week out starters for the Raw round one, but they're they're guys who should be on the fringe of that senior team. Well that's
2: the thing is you don't you don't want to see um these 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 players playing for Raw and NPL you know being starters in A League because that means that there's something wrong with the with the top side. But you want you want to see them playing week in week out. You know, get their 90 minutes, and look, there there is probably yeah half a dozen players that are, I think are surefire professional players. You know, in a number no, in a number of years time. But um, yeah, look, they they they're very very good, and um, yeah, I think from Brisbane Royals perspective overall, the future is bright. And the thing is, they have got a
0: whole um production line coming in behind them. Okay. Now, moving up the table, Scott, I'm going to give you a chance to take control of the bus. I've got my preseason predictions here. Can oh. you tell me which team I've got in 13th place? <laughs>
1: that might be, um, checks notes, Mawson Bay United. <laughs> that went well. That aged perfectly, that prediction from
0: you. I'll <laughs> quote to it. I completely yeah. <gasps> misread Morton uh. Bay this season. They they rallied really well after that uh, COVID hiatus. And, you know, you've got to give credit to Royce Brownlee for getting this team as high up as he did. Yeah, look... Um, Your local team. Again,
2: huh? yeah, again, a soft spot for Moreton Bay United. It's been, it's been wonderful watching them um, progress. And they say, oh, I look, I'll put my hand, I haven't been down 12th. Um, but that, <laughs> that was also back in January. Um, but a couple of key additions then. Lyndon Farr was... Uh, was a great addition yeah. from Logan, uh, obviously working with Royce Brownlee still. Um, Declan Smith was, you know, a, you know, he, he's been known as a striker. He filled in his centre-back an injury, you know, and he, he looked like he he played there all his life, even though he hadn't played there for eight years. So, and look, and Jackson Courtney Perkins as well. So that side, um, and that, like I said, they never gave up. They always sort of, you know, you know, went to the final sort of whistle. Um I think a couple of losses earlier season, I think, disappointing I think, otherwise,
1: they would have been really in the hunt, but look, it's a good start, and they can go forward. I can't quite remember where I put Morton Bay, but I can guarantee you it wasn't in 5th place. So, so certainly <laughs> exceeded all our expectations of them, and absolutely congratulations to them, because it's been a really tough year for them. It, it's been good to see Morton Bay get back to being a really competitive side. we've known them over the NPL yes. era, to be a side which punches above their weight, and they certainly did that again this year, particularly given the ridiculous amount of injuries they have, particularly in defence, everyone remembers the Stephen Green shocking injury he picked uh, up against Easton So But that's not the only injury they had in the defensive third of the field, which is why, to Adam's point, Declan Smith was being converted into a centre-back when he's only playing up front. So it was a really bad run of injuries and they continue to pick up good results and that's a really good season for them. And As Royce Brownie's first year in charge of Morton Bay, you can see, if they, if they do make a couple of small changes to bring in a bit more experience, you can see that side really challenging next year. Look, just one part
2: you mentioned, I almost uh, forgot about that, is that their season actually pretty much turned after um, after horrific injury to um, to Stephen Green. And the sort of way that they, they reacted to that, um, yeah, that... Uh, yeah, like I said, it him to turn season, but also as well, what's also very, very... I know I spoke to Royce Brownlee um, a couple of weeks ago, and the one thing as well about Morton Bay is their youth system as well. Uh, Zach Kierpal is going to be a star. Uh, I have no doubt about that. Um, give him more time. He only played five, six games a season, but he for his first half an hour, he really had three goals as a senior player. So he, he and I think he's won that. And maybe uh, we say Jackson Courtney Perkins, are going to, they're going to struggle to hold him. Um, till the end of next season. I think it's a key pole. He might be off to bad things as well. But that's amongst a number of youngsters who made their debut. I think eight eight under twenties uh debuted for Morton Bay this season. So just knowing the experience, but also their youth system.
0: Okay, so those are the teams whose seasons are over and done with. I'm going to make an executive call here and say uh, we're going to grade one, two, three, and four. Power Olympic Gold Coast Knights and Lions as incomplete. We will come back and wrap up their season after the NPL finals because. They still have a lot more to go. Um, Penn Power first. They're taking on Lions uh, this Saturday at seven 6.30pm. Six, 6 30. 30 um, live and exclusive on NPL TV, I believe. And uh, you can catch Simon Smale on the call for that one. Semi-final number two, Olympic FC Gold Coast Knights. The grand final rematch. Or I hate it when people say that but
1: it's the it's, it's it's next fu- year's final series so that's gone now surely
0: yeah it's it's the match between the two clubs that competed in the 2019 NPL grand final very nice at Goodwin Park Sunday 6pm Jared will be Jared Neck will be on the call for that one um, again on NPL TV so if you haven't already signed up it's there's a free option if you're you know just looking for some cheap entertainment um, we'll do our match previews for that as well just uh, in a little bit um quickly NPL uh, Queensland t- Golden Boot winners Joe Duckworth 19 goals Daniel Lex
1: 16 goals and a tie for third Jason McQuase and Harry Sawyer with 15 apiece just yes, a couple of Gold Coast Knights guys there scoring McQuaase got all his goals basically start the Harrison Sawyer <laughs> ending the season in great form so they got two goals scores over the course of the season Okay now we're going to move on to the NPL
0: Women's competition we will basically follow the same structure we'll go up the table and with all due respect to the Moreton Bay um, NPL Women's team I don't think we need to say too much other than it was a youth um, experiment also I'll, I'll say I'll say
2: one thing um, that yeah look I, it, it, you're right it was a youth experiment um, I, I might just I just worry that you know I hope that the, the, that the, the administration there are sort of running around those goals because I, I do worry that you know getting beaten up like that you know you worry that some talented girls might not continue in the game I, I just really hope that you know while, you know, it's not, from a point, point of view, it's not great reading, but they, look, I can tell you there are some very, very seriously talented players there, and I just hope that next season will be a new dawn for them they can just look at that and saying, you know what, it's all about
1: experience. Yeah, I've played in teams that have suffered results in a table like this pool, well, not quite as bad as that, but something pretty similar. It's no fun and no one likes it. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, so, they're a much better proposition next year. Yeah, I think they will be. I think yeah, just, I think just so. their appointments and you know what they're trying
2: to do going forward as well. I think I think they will be. It's just yeah, this is a very very this is a very very tough year. I just worry about their uh, retention plays as far as not just at Morton Bay, but just in the game itself.
0: Yep, um, South East Queensland Thunder uh, finished in tenth place
1: on fourteen points. I, I'd be lying if I said I got to watch a lot of them. It's Another be... typical Thunder season, really. They play well at home against a few teams. They struggle in some games. This is about what they're normally capable of. It's good to see Abby Lloyd go back up there though and make an impact in the second half of the year. Yeah, that was great.
2: But they've got they've got some good attacking weapons. You know, Abby Lloyd, um, Melanie Lloyd, and uh, Louise Rolfe. So um, I just think again, I think they're they're sort of incomplete as far as they obviously. They need to develop their local... Their local sort of, you know, female talent there. But, you know what? Four wins a season. So, I mean, so they, didn't, they just didn't beat up on just Moreton Bay. They actually had a couple of other wins, which I think was... One was over the Palabar. Yes. At home. Yes, so, yes. it was.
0: So, that, they've had their moments. Mm. Signs of Um The FQQS, I might take the lead on this one, if you guys don't mind, because I saw them on the weekend in uh, Gold Coast United's Premiership Coronation. Yeah. They've got some good talent there, Um the right back uh, Faith Stevenson, you've got Georgia Beaumont as well who yep. scored the goal. you've got players there that certainly have flash potential. Uh, I th- Alyssa Cox,
2: Yep. I think she if she develops, she she could be a very, very good player. She, she, there's size about it, you know, no, like I said, yeah, you know, I my, did not
0: want to stand next to her. No, that you, would have i just tell you what, I,
2: I tell you what, you no, know, yeah, and also as well, another player that I caught my eye, she didn't play on the weekend, but uh, Kaya Stevenson as well. I yeah, thought another. she was really, I, I, we saw her play against, I think we covered a game against Logan, uh, where they drew one all, and like she, she was magnificent that game as well. I think it was after having another, you know, top game where she scored a couple of goals. Um, against Souths, I do believe so look again, a bit like the raw uh, young the young raw um, the the main mantra is performance, but th- there's actually some results in this side. And I think you know if they sort of if it looks like a young, Young, so they might, you might see a lot of these players come back next season. I think they could actually cause
1: a bit more trouble than they did this season. It's a good side There's a lot of really good young players. You mentioned a lot of them, so I won't repeat the names. But they were a really competitive side. They got a lot of results against sides you'd look at. Maybe you wouldn't have thought they would. You mentioned the Logan result. They scored first on the weekend against Gold Coast. They've got a lot of results. They, they picked, said, up, they the picked up a lot of results minutes. against teams which are much more experienced than them. And they've you're right. there's some really good players there. And if that team does grow over the next couple of years, we saw this team when it was branded as the Brisbane Raw, they did win the competition. So young, uh, this young side, so if it does grow, they could be on the trajectory of doing something similar.
0: Yeah. Uh, two quick uh, follow-ups on that: the uh, about Alyssa Cox as well. She was able to play as a winger as well, which for someone of that like height and She's size, tall, isn't she? Very yeah. tall. Wow. Yeah, yeah, she was playing out on the wing when uh, Beaumont yeah. came in and played mm. through the middle, and that that was a combination that worked quite well. Yeah. And vice versa, their final four results drew one-one at Logan, drew one-one at home to Easts. Yep beat Morton Bay 11-0. Admittedly, that yeah, okay, comes yep. with a little bit of an asterisk. And did put a scare through Gold Coast United as well. They did take a 1-0 lead early on through... Team, and that, team that team draw four, ended five, East. Team
1: 1. That draw ended East's chance of making the top yep. four as well. So that was a massive result in the context of the season and a good performance from the young girls.
0: And if you heard paper rustling in the background, that's why I keep my commentary notes. <laughs> <laughs> I <give something>. um, <laughs> Mitchelton, I thought they were a better side than their record showed I thought they were in a lot of games they battled hard and had a couple of pretty big wins I'm a
1: bit different I thought they underachieved I thought they had enough players to compete for us go a bit further up the table I don't think they lived up to the potential that they had I thought they dropped way too many points at home particularly against teams in and around them on the table that they probably could have gotten wins against so I think that they didn't quite deliver I thought Sophie Person did okay but I think, and Madison Moy was quite good as well but I just think they didn't quite live up to what I thought they could be
2: yeah. I I thought, I thought they unachieved as well. And also, yeah, like I said, Sophie Person, she did score goals when needed, but just she just needed more help, um, around there. So look they're they're a work in progress. Um yeah, but I think for them, I think by their expectations, I think they, they well I forget that they could have been
0: pushing the top four. Hmm. Well, admit admittedly as I continue to preface, I give a lot more I am giving more weight to the hmm. games that I saw and I thought like that game that they hosted would have been East, out of Terralba Park. That was that was probably their best performance yeah. of the season as well. I know um, Tierney Sunderland, the goalkeeper, just... I had the game of her life in that one as well. And yeah. So, yeah, they had their moments, and they were in a lot of games, but, yeah, they just didn't have that finishing. So I
2: Yeah, I think the only game we saw live was when they got absolutely thumped by Lions.
0: Which a lot of teams yeah, did. Yeah, which, yeah. Yeah. That's not necessarily uncommon. No, no, no. Yeah, some teams that made the finals got absolutely thumped by Lions. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on, South's in 7th place. They finished a point ahead. Again, a yeah. bit of an overachievement for them?
1: Maybe. I thought they were a solid sort of side with um, just with one really good player in Harriet Withers. I thought she made a real impact cutting in on the left-hand side. She was their standout player by an absolute mile. I think they're building to something quite nicely. South, we know they've lost a couple of players when they were in the finals the last couple of years. They lost some players, so they're rebuilding. Once again, I think they've found a good player there in Harriet Withers, and if they can find... Another couple of players to go with her; they could push back up the table. Well, I think it's a a pretty solid season. Yeah, well, is
2: the side that had last season? They had Alex Hayun, uh, who's now playing for Napoli in in Italy, uh, and also Western Sydney Wanderers. That's pretty uh, good. Amy Amy Chapman, who's at Capalba this season, and Rosie Sutton, who's at East. So that's yeah. three good players there that you know that were on their books last season. I thought they really under underachieved last season. This is probably more their level. I think, um, it, as as Scott said, I think it's uh, room to room to build for them so i especially with the expansion next season i think they'll they'll win more games than they'll lose next season uh
0: sixth place the gap i thought they were i thought they were a shoe-in for finals at one point but they just completely well just ran out of steam well
1: speaking of teams that we we thought underachieved this is another one they've got so we know the history and tradition of the gap in women's football it's it's right at the top in terms of brisbane football you think about teams who are historically strong the gap is the first name you think of and They had some good players this year, the Friars sisters were quite good, but there just wasn't enough consistency in their performances to be able to get results against teams, again, that they probably should be getting wins from. They're not too far from the top four if you look at the table, but they just weren't consistent enough to get the results that they needed to to push into the top four.
0: At the end of the season, it did seem like they were playing with a fairly thin squad as well. It was basically just the same 13 players... Gary and two
1: of them are or... goalkeepers are swapping at half-time between Coco Mastrovic and Ellie Chapel. So, yeah, uh, I think for me, I think that it
2: was the signs that the dynasty is over. The gap, the gap had been, you know, for women's football, they have been an absolute powerhouse in this part of the world. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like it is. Yeah, at the end of a the dynasty. They like so they they won nine games a season, but the pro- the problem was that they were beating that they couldn't get points against the teams above them. No, and that's and at the end of the day and like I said, defensively they were very porous at times I know they, they slipped five goals against Lions consecutively uh, East put five on them um, on one Sunday afternoon I know that the, yeah, that the was the game. Was games. the game you called? I thought that
1: was yeah. probably the day where we thought, okay, they're not yeah. going to make top four this year.
0: And from and from memory, I think that was about the third straight game I'd had that had been four or five nil at yeah. half time. So <laughs> you can imagine what I was thinking in that break. You had a good co commentator that day, as Karen well. Longbottom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely fantastic, and really carried me through that second half. Yeah, yeah so, but like I said,
2: again, um, they're, they're rebuilding as well, and obviously with the expansion as well, um, we don't know if that will be detrimental or a positive for them, but, you know, like I said, it's going to be interesting where they go from here, but definitely the dynasty is over and they're, they're in the rebuilding mode.
0: Fair enough. Okay, fifth place, Eastern Suburbs, the reason they're not in the finals, uh, six draws. When you look at the team above them, Logan Lightning, uh, they only had two draws, and you pick up, you know, even just one goes the other way
1: and you've got something to play for in that final weekend. Well, it's that sixth draw when we talk about with FQQAS. That was the one which probably cost them a shot because they played Logan in the final round so they've had it. that was at home. So you would have thought that a was, home game against yeah. a team you're fighting for that spot in the top four, they could have pushed for it. So that was it. But they had a really good attack. Georgina Amos and Rosie Sutton in that front third were a really good combination. They scored I think, close to 30 goals between them. So it's a really good return from those two players in the front third. A solid defence as well. It just, you're right, James. It's the draws. Yep. That's what did them in. Just couldn't get over the line. The yeah, end.
2: they they were always they were always there and abouts as far as that race for the top four. But yeah, a couple of killer games where they dropped points they shouldn't have, and that's probably the tail of their season.
0: And, uh, and as well, you know, I, I I'm just admittedly going back to last season as w- well. But you get the feeling that if East had to win an in game at home on a Saturday night, you would have backed them to get over the line there because. Like they had, they did that in uh, twenty nineteen. They had that one yep. win off the Amos free kick against Capalaba, I think, to secure their spot in the finals. Yep. It's a lovely Friday night out at Heath
1: Park. <laughs> What's well, another result in the end of the season that cost them? Because Capalaba beat East at, at at East in the second last week of the season. So mm-hmm. those two, all the third last week, I believe it was. So right at the end of the season, they picked up a couple of bad results, which probably cost them. But they were a really good side this year.
0: Okay, a uh, quick run through the finals for the NPL Women's. Um, You've got two absolutely brilliant games this Saturday night. Uh, 5pm at Coplex Family Sports Park. I think that's the official name for it. Um, Gold Coast United hosting Logan Lightning. And I will be on the call for that one. So make sure you tune in on MPL TV for the start of what should be a frantic Saturday (laughs) night of action for all involved. I'll listen on my drive. Oh, thanks. That's the important thing. Um... Yeah, I think that's going that's going to be an excellent game. We saw Gold Coast United win one nil back in October, I think, when I did the double header. At... That was and yeah, that was yeah. a very very high level game. Yeah. Um, that was a tactical you know, win for Alex yeah. Bundler, and I, I I hope we get a few more goals this time, just for you know the chance to really
1: showcase yeah. the attacking talent on these teams. But well, have if... both got plenty of it, haven't they? Look at that Logan side: Megan McGallagher, Tian Pedderwood, and Shay Collins in that front third. It doesn't get much more stronger yeah. than that. If they all turn up on the on the day and pl- and, uh, and perform, so yep. there's plenty of and you've got Isabel Herbuda for Gold Coast. There's plenty of attacking talent. I'm sure you'll get more goals. Yes. Yep. And the
0: second semi-final, uh, Lion Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff. Lions FC against Capalaba, and I am actually giving Capalaba the best chance of any away team this weekend to cause an upset. They've they've done it. They've done Lions before.
1: Yeah. And yes. I w- at at John Frederick Sports if, Park, they have.
0: Yes however that game that they did, that they played against lions back admittedly all the way back in march i'm going to give sky Hannafin the benefit of the doubt and say that he has learned from the tactics he put in in that game which like, you don't let a lion side just come and attack you again and again and again i think he's got something uh, up his sleeve for this one
2: yeah admittedly rob is... has
0: something as well probably but... this
2: this is probably you're right this is probably the game you know that you think that Wow, this could go either way, um, and it's gonna t- it's gonna come on to who he- who shows up. Um, look, I- I'm favouring
0: Lions, just but look, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if Kapalbar sprung the upset. I uh, you will note as well if you are listening, anyone at Richlands, I said the best chance.
1: I didn't say that they were going to. I just said that they had the best chance. <laughs> You've already upset them with something else you <laughs> said on our season shows. i would be very very careful. Yeah, yeah. was you. It's funny. I just think Logan have the better chance of winning just with the firepower that they have. But I, don't, I think these. Are, going to be two really close games yeah this
2: is this is a great final series and um I've mean, said all along that you know all season this MPLW you W know, any team on a given day can win and like like their men men's counterparts look any result won't, wouldn't be a shock I think this is going to be on the day who shows up who
0: takes the chances and on that as well I will say like while I would have been happy to get any game this weekend because we've got six pretty good ones in store I was very happy to get um like one of the women's games because I would have been happy with both of them because they're going to be really, really good. I'm not trying to oversell it or anything, am I? Um, yeah. Go- golden Boot. Uh, let me just scroll down on the sheet here.
1: Oh, That's too fast. It's there you go. Goes
0: up. Mariel Hecker, 20 goals and uh, tie for second with Lani Fryer on 19 and Bella Habuda on 19. I actually thought Habuda had scored 20 on the weekend before you corrected Take him. it up with
1: Sports TG. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I... I gave her credit for the goal on the call um, where she crossed it in from the wing and then it was spilled in by the uh, um, QAS keeper. Yeah, George, George Martel. That's it. So, I saw um,
1: myself under a bus now. Perhaps she did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we, well, I know, we declared yeah. it, yeah. it on goal. Yeah, on exactly. I know, when I saw when I saw that come through I was like, oh God, <laughs> of, course, of course we did. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening guys. Um, yes. We anyway. were, we corrected you. <laughs> Not for the first time. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you've been correct with your corrections. That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, yeah, so if, you, if you are just tuning in after listening to me on the yes. commentary, this is the pinky and perky that give me the updates when I need them during the <laughs> game. So much appreciated for that. Um, over to the FQPL. Now, how do you guys want to run through this? Because we've been going
1: for we an hour... We might just talk about the top bottom four teams in the group and say that yeah. they're were, they were in a bit of a rebuild, all four of those sides, and hopefully we can see them get a bit stronger... As the next couple of years go, I think Sunshine Coast Fire were in the NPL last year. They've got six wins for the season in the in the NPL on the FQPL this year. Hopefully, they can start to f- find some young kids on the Sunshine Coast and develop them because having another team up there would be good. But those other three from Brisbane, I think they pretty much round out the FQPL table every year. So yeah, well they are uh, what they are. Well,
2: I think the best the best move for them possibly is FQPL two next season. Because there'll be nowhere to run, there'll be nowhere to hide for the likes of South and Southside Eagles and Holland Park. They've they've got to start performing; otherwise, they will be in the lower division next season. So I think hopefully the the pressure of relegation might be enough to sort of spur them to actually sort of you know invest, get some good players in, you know, and back the and back them in. I know Southside Eagles already got a new coach, um, so they're obviously making making moves. They're, they're making moves as far as... Keep talking, I'll look that up. Yes.
1: Paul Capelli, I
0: think, is his name.
2: Yeah, yeah the full, former Tawong coach. So, okay. so, uh, so, yeah... Why am I even here? <laughs> it's yeah, your studio. Sorry, did I just break your own? It's your studio. Yeah, no, Um. but yeah, I, I think next year, I think that will be the defining moments for those three bottom teams. That With FQPL2 next season, um, I don't think they can labour around just sort of, you know, just you know, sort of mosey through a season. Yeah. They're going uh, to, that I'll be relegated.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, so Sunshine of Fire, Holland Park Hawks, South United and Southside Eagles rounding out the bottom of the table. There was actually a pretty good race for fourth in the final for okay. a couple of weeks of the season as well. Seventh place Western Pride, sixth place Ipswich Knights. Um, Pride were undergoing a youth uh, movement under Andrew Catton, who is departing for family reasons and congratulations on the expected child is the official announcement and, um, his work with uh, Ipswich Grammar as well, who I also had the pleasure of commentating on this season in the GPS competition. We've got some good, promising youngsters out there, including um, Dave, David Ashimwe, who I think is actually playing for Olympic. He's at Olympic. Yeah, that's it. And um, Daryl uh, Budabarton, that's right. He got yes. the he got a couple of uh, runouts outs for Pride as the season went on as well. Um, very talented striker and one of those guys who can at least a GPS level at the moment, take over a game. And I would not be surprised if he develops into one of those strikers at uh, NPL, FQPL level.
1: On Pride, I think it was a real reality check for them. So I think the three of us probably had them as a promotion, yeah. almost certainly given the reputation of Western Pride. But this was a real reality check for them. Before they become a team in the building. I think they've got to get back to being the best team in Ipswich. Because when they played the Knights in those two derby games, I think you called the second one, through MPL TV, James, and they were thoroughly outplayed in both of those games. And I think it is a very young Western Pride side. We know that. We know they're very good at developing players. We've seen that they've developed a team which won the MPL just a couple of years ago. So they can do it, but they're starting from a very low base. I think that's got to be their first objective to become the best team in Ipswich, and then promotion comes after that. But I thought that those two games against the Knights were really telling in where they're at right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There was a couple of hidings as well. They... They copped from uh, Logan and, and and Rochdale, that as well. Like they, so it was, it, it's obviously hallmarks of a young side that you know when when things weren't going well, from they just drop off completely. Because yeah, you don't want to get beaten seven nil. You know more than one. We once you can say, oh, okay, it's a bad night, but it seems to be a consistent thing. So look, there's there's time they're gonna develop, but yeah, you. I agree with Scott.
0: We gotta be the best snips, for you. be, you know, thinking about loftier goals. Yep. And I will say as well, um, slightly upgraded commentary position at Eric Evans' Oval compared to last year uh, for Ipswich Knights, who finished the season in 6th place. Just didn't quite have that firepower to get them over the, yeah, over the line. Yeah, Ipswich
2: Knights are home. My favourite player in the FQPL, Lucky Joe. What a player he He is. was phenomenal. He, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd love to see him at a higher level, but I think even wearing the crowds at Eric Evans, I think, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm almost pretty certain he's a fan favourite down there. He lit
1: and, up, and
2: I'm a fan of his
1: he lit up that derby that you called James he for. It's also for Western Pride Yuta Hirayama is a really good yeah. player so they can keep a hold of him they've got something there but Lucky Joe was he's a yeah. really good young player and hopefully he continues to develop because he's, there's something there It's he, just exciting to watch yeah. isn't he yeah, they're,
2: they're, they're players that you want to see play every week you know, that, that real X Factor
0: yeah he's one of those guys who you know some, some players ask themselves uh, I don't I don't think I should do that. He just goes, eh, why not? What's I the worst that can happen? Yeah. <laughs> just got no, the, that's, that's why, was, I don't know, in a, you know, a real structured environment, I don't know
2: if it'd work out well, but I tell you what, if he's, if he's allowed to sort of run his own race, you know... And
0: we do see that a happens. lot of the, uh, in this sort of level, yeah. where you do have that sort of, you know, creative, yep. you know, perhaps a little bit unorthodox player who just says, "Ah, screw it, I'm going to see what I can have. What it I was big
1: games also. I remember at Briggs Road in the first, he was really good that yep. night as well. So he's also got that ability to play well in the big games as well. Definitely. Uh,
0: fifth place, Rochdale Rovers just missed out on the finals on the wins tiebreaker. And also they would have missed out on goal difference as well before uh, Underwood Park goes up in arms about that. Um, I think the best thing that happened this season for Rochdale was the upgraded clubhouse.
2: Yeah, look, they actually um, probably left their best performance till second last. They so when they when they uh, knocked off Lo- uh, Logan to delay their, um, their their coronation as far as being FQPL premiers, and that was a really really good performance. Um, and Matt Boyd, uh, I know that game as well. You know, former potential power defender. Like he he, I remember that game. He was an absolute standout. So um, and and also as well, uh, Jacob Cresceri as why well, I thought you know it was was very very good for Roach on that night. No, I I didn't see enough on the season to really you know get a full read. Greg Cashier as well, you know, as far as experience goes, he had a
0: solid season from from all accounts. Uh, I would I would like to also take this time to point out that it is just the three of us on the Brisbane Football Reviews, uh, and there's a lot of football to watch. It <laughs> is. And
1: speaking of being up in arms, I to be careful what I say about Rosal. Rosal they might be <laughs> up in arms at me, but that that all goes back to junior football and too many too many um. Battles with Rosa Rose. I'll leave it at that. But James, we saw them play their first but, game of the year in in Toowoomba, and they were. That's was, right. Yeah. That, that all game that made you that three years ago, which was it's what it seems like. But they were pretty good that day, and I think that was probably it. the game Adams referring to against Logan was was by far their best. I thought that was probably their second best. They were. They got the three points that day away against Thunder, which not many people did over the course of the season. So that was another really good performance for them. I think they're just a solid FQPL also at the moment. They won the grand final last year by making the finals. I think there's just, at the moment, this is about their level. We know they've got good junior development out there. I think they're leaning on that quite a bit, and and they've certainly produced a lot of good players, so that seems like a good plan for them. I also think they changed coaches, I believe, halfway through the year to go back to Mark Cruz. I think he made a big impact as well.
0: Yeah. All right, so those are the teams who have had their season completed in the FQ... Excuse me, the FQPL. I've been holding that one in for about an hour. <laughs> um, You've got, uh, in the finals this weekend... The 5 o'clock game is Southwest Queensland Thunder hosting Mitchelton up on the range. Uh, Clive Berghoffer Stadium, I believe. Yep. That's going to be an excellent yep. one. I think the uh, Italian influence up in Toowoomba is going yep. to be just a little bit too much. We saw Mirko Crociati in yes. that first game you mentioned there, Scott. which Super did also defender. Give, yeah. And also, I do remember that game was the one that gave you a chest infection for about a month. Which Thank had you. you sounding like Patty and or Selma. Both. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be an excellent game, though.
1: Mitchelton. Won't roll over, but I think Thunder will take out their anger on missing out on the promotion on Mitchelton, actually.
2: Yeah, because they're the ones that cost them. Um, Yeah, uh, Thunder did beat Mitchelton 5-0 up there, so, look, it couldn't get much worse for Mitchelton as far as going up there. I think they they will be better, but yeah, I think Thunder might be just at home. They're a
0: very, very tough proposition.
1: They'll want to crack at Logan Yep,
0: absolutely. Um, And speaking of Logan, the side that is going to be promoted to NPL in 2021, uh, they're going to be playing uh, Wynnum Wolves in the second semi-final at 7pm at Cornubia Park.
2: Look, if there's a game that I believe that could be an upset as far as the for the away teams, it might be Wynnum, uh, over over Logan, only because it'd be depending on the mindset of Logan. Was the premiership and promotion... The main mission, or whether that they that you know Rick Coghlan can keep them in the mindset of no job relation, not by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> job have claimed job, it <laughs> job, job not done yet that you know they've still got two more games this season so whereas Winham they you know they've got the firepower to be able to to really you know you know really cause trouble but um yeah if there's yeah, like if there's one game that I think that the potential upset it might be this one
0: I would also say I similar to that thought, I think if Winam are gonna win this game, they're gonna to have to win at four three, five four. They're going to have to find a way to outscore Logan.
1: I think the result for Logan getting their promotion at the third time of asking missing out the last two years so tragically on their behalf, to actually get it done this time, I think it'll calm them down. I think if they didn't get it done on Sunday against Mitchelton, they might very well have gone out this week. And I think the fact they got the job done, they're a lax This is now a free hit for them. As a yes they'd love to win the grand final, but they've got what they really wanted, yeah. And I think getting that will be, will just calm them down enough to be able to get over the line at home. Yeah, definitely.
2: I no. said I just said if, but I, yeah. I do agree with you, Scott. It could go one or two ways. It could either mission done, not not perturbed by the result, or yeah, it might
0: come down enough to say you know what, we still
2: got one more bit of
0: uh, silverware. To I th- go. I think they're going to look for the exclamation mark on their season. And again, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the FQPL semi-finals do turn out to be blowouts but I, I do know uh, Winham and Mitchell are both go- like they're not going to roll over
1: Because no. for Winham they were at the bottom of the FQPL at lockdown the run they've been on in the second half of the year they've been the form team yeah. it's only the two losses they've had I believe were actually two Logan and Thunder yeah. so everyone yeah. else have been able to beat since then so they've been on a massive run
0: definitely and what was it yeah 53 goals that's the third best tally in the competition and from everyone I think they scored a goal in the first couple of
1: games either Again, happy wouldn't, to be wouldn't have been too many. That's for sure. They certainly went on a good run.
0: Yeah, no, I do. Oh, actually yeah I do remember a couple of early three-one defeats. Anyway, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, unless I'm forgetting something. You are, are forgetting something.
1: Did I not read the run sheet? Properly? You did not read the run sheet. There's another bus you've been thrown under. Oh, there we go. Oh yeah, that's right. Don't give. <laughs> you don't give them hope are We thought <laughs> <what> I've done
0: <laughs> uh, good luck there's more There's steak <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah top scorers for the FQPL Yuta Hiriyama on 16 Adam Edgar 15 and Brodie Welch on 14 okay so that is not going to be this it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review um, we've run through the finals so let's go through uh, the NPL teams of the season for the men's and women's competitions so I'm going to start off by throwing it to Scott. Okay, which one am
1: I going through, men's or women's? We'll go with the men's first. Okay, so in goal I have Lachlan Hunt from Olympic. I thought he was the best goalkeeper in a very strong field. I thought he was really impressive. In the back four, right back, Lewis Greenwood. I thought he was really impressive for Peninsula Power when he came back from Victoria. He made that right back spot his own. In, on the left back, uh, also from Peninsula Power, funnily enough, got Christian you a really, really good defender, I think. He can play centre-back he's he's played more left back in the recent weeks because they've got other center backs available so he's in there for me center back is ajin fedarajus from olympic he was he's a big reason there's another big reason we'll get to at the other end of the field but in at, in the back four he's really been that defensive rock that they've needed in the second half of the year and I've got cam cristani next to him is from Minister power as well into midfield from olympic i have phil Lazam. i thought he was the best of the holding midfielders this year so i mean Danny Kim was a really good player, but he missed so much of the season with the Roar in the A-League, so I could not count him. He didn't play enough games for me. Tom Strickland in midfield from Peninsula Power, he was their best player. He he really took a step forward this year. He wasn't just playing that number 10 role. He dropped back into deeper roles in midfield as well. He's become a really good all-round midfielder, and rounding out that group is Daniel Leck, 16 goals, playing in that midfield three for Olympic. I couldn't possibly keep him out of the sight. In the front three, I have Henry Hall from Lions. He's one of the most balanced players. I think he's had a really good season for them. He's been probably their standout player. Joe, Joe Duckworth from Lions as well. I can't not pick the Golden Boot winner in the team of the year. That's just a personal rule that I have. And next to him is some guy from Olympic, um Tascu Sakia. What a player. That's 12 players. That's 11. <laughs> <laughs> Don't confuse me. That's 11 players. And he was, was out of, we saw him play on yeah. Sunday. He was absolutely phenomenal. And, he is the best player in the league by a mile he's made such an impact for Olympic and he's probably why a lot of people think they're going to go quite well in the final series on the bench I have Luke Borian from Lions I have Kaz- Kazuito from from Olympic that was a really tough call for him between those two at right back it was so tight between the two of them Declan Smith from Morton Bayer he's been a really good versatile player he was good actually in the front at the year, start of the year as well and then he's gone and been a really good centre back in the side which performed really well and it's not his natural position so he's in there as well his teammate, Jackson Courtney Perkins, also in there. He's he was I think actually he was their best player. We saw him play at when he was at playing against the Royal Academy. He was the best player on the field that day by an absolute mile. Dan Clark's come into this team lately for me. I think he's every game he's played for, Peninsula Power, he's gotten better and better and better. He's linking up with his teammates better. And now he's scored really important goals from the goal against Lions, the goal against Royal, which you mentioned about an hour ago now, which, which set them up for the Premiership. And then the final player is Jason McQuasey. On the bench. I think he was a really good player in the first half of the year, and I think we have to acknowledge that.
2: Yeah, well, um, I, uh, yeah.
0: We might yeah.
1: have to put these in a graphic on our social. I play. think I will.
2: can do that. But um, yeah, look, uh, I'll, I'll run through mine. Uh, goalkeeper uh, Lachlan Hunter. Uh, I'll,
0: I'll just say which ones I'm unanimous on as well. Yes, yep. Hunter.
2: Um, in defence, I, I sort of uh, took a few liberties. I've got Hassan Ramazani, Ajan Federhardjic, Luke Plummer, and Corey Sewell as my back four. Uh, Raw, a couple of players from Olympic and uh, Luke Plummer, sort of the anchor for uh, Peninsula Power in midfield. Tom Strickland, Tyson Holmes, who I think Tyson Holmes, you know, pretty much him, he pretty much was you know the callous you know, to drive Sunshine Coast survival season, and Daniel Leck, which was I think that's a pretty unanimous choice. And up front, and I could have picked, oh, could have picked almost 12 players in front. And I feel your pain. Yeah, but uh, up front, Harry Sawyer, Tusker Sakia, and Henry Henry Hall. And on the bench, Luke Borian, Declan Smith, Tommy Gerrard, uh, Max Brown, Jackson, Courtney Perkins, and Joe Duckworth.
1: Okay. Uh, who'd you have for you, coach? Oh, I have um, Aaron Phillip. He won the premiership. Oh, jeez. <laughs>
2: um,
0: I had Aaron I Phillip as well. Um, hard to think about that. Uh, no, I've got Ben Calm. Okay. Uh, for me, goalkeeper, Lockie Hunter... Um, Defence, I've gone the two Gold Coast Knights fullbacks, Jaden Walker and Matt Schmidt. Um, Admittedly, as I will continue to say, I am giving more weight to the games that I've commentated because they're the ones that I remember more of. Uh, Centre-back pairing, Tommy Jarrett and Cam Crestani. I think that's, you know, I've been quite impressed by what I've seen from them. Midfield, I honestly couldn't pick between these three guys for... Uh, the two attacking midfield spots so I just said forget a defensive midfielder Max Brown Tom Strickland and Jackson Courtney Perkins that's cheating <laughs> my team <laughs> uh, and up forward I had Duckworth McQuase and Sakia uh, coach was Aaron Phillip subs Borian Ito Fedor um Daniel Kunha from um, Penn Power uh, he can come on and play defensive midfield I guess um, I can. Daniel Leck and Jez Lofthouse nice. so I, I, I like Leck if, if I'm picking that team because he can play on the wing or in yeah. that sort of sense, Just don't play him right back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will need about one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six injuries yeah. before that happened, much <laughs> like John Aloisi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will lead off with the NPL women's team because I'm already talking. Uh, goalkeeper Georgina Wirth, just unbelievably like good for Kapalabar this season. Had a couple of saves of the round. Uh... Fullbacks: Cannon Clough had to swap over to the right as the season went on. Um, Centre back pairing: uh, Ellie Fryer and Billy Murphy. Um, Murphy has just been a rock in every game I've seen her uh, play in. And uh, the Bar fullback, India Cuban, because her like the game that she wasn't in against Logan a couple of weeks ago, her presence was really badly missed. Uh, midfield: Ricatano. That was probably the first yep. selection, first name on the mm-hmm. team sheet there. Uh, Nat Tatham and Georgina Ramos. Um, and then up front Mariel Hecker Bella Habuda and Deanna Thompson I know Thompson did miss quite a lot of time for Gold Coast United but she's been that good I'm willing to make the exception and was a good interview on Saturday night as well alongside Ellie Fryer um, substitutes Castafina, um, Zoe Corbett uh, Gold Coast United duo um, then in, uh Demi Robbins is another fullback from Logan very impressive there midfield um, I've got Laney Fryer she was playing as the attacking midfielder. And I'm going for Charlie Farmer. She might be, you know, half my age, but that hasn't stopped me being unbelievably yeah. impressed by the role that she's played in that nah, goal she's, she's
2: a fantastic prospect.
0: Um, and then the striker is going to be Shay Connors, and the coach is Alex Bundelow. Okay, yep. Scott, no. Okay, over to Adam.
2: Alrighty, my team of the year for the we'll go reverse w. Um Okay, goalkeeper Cassandra Zafina. My defenders: Billy Murphy, Momo Hayashi, who ACL looked, she, injury. Yeah, had a yeah, very bad ACL injury. But look, before she went down,
0: cheers. Uh, I, I did actually speak to her briefly on Saturday as well, and gave her some very good advice. Don't eat KFC three times a week. I've heard of other people who have made that mistake. So you know, just I, you know, I'm just saying yep, that's probably yep. not what you want to do if you're. If, a good athlete like she is yeah. um, continuing continuing on Uh Clough, rehab I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: Karen Clough and Chelsea Blissett my um, defenders in midfield Re Meryl Hecker and Georgina Amos Yeah, I... Hecker did play midfield I know Just, <laughs> he's <No>. going to <laughs> no <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying a word
1: about and it and then
2: um, up front Lani Fryer Tegan Riding and, and Bella Habuda subs Murphy Sheaf from uh, South she had a great season on so, you know, a sort of mid-table club uh, Ellie Fryer Christy New from Logan uh, S- Steph Latham Shay Connors and Amy Gunston
1: ok so my team oh I've god is, I forgot Gunston she was now my now. breakout shame on you yeah, now now shameful I have Izzy, Isabel Shutterworth in goal for Lions she's taken take real step forward this year in goal for Lions back for Cannon Clough Winnie Heatley Eloise Fryer and Billy Murphy I think there's, they've been to me the best defenders in the NPLW this year midfield Katie McDonald from Logan Riki Tano from Gold Coast and Mariel Hecker from Lyons so I'm cheating like you are and putting Mariel Hecker in the midfield three what a terrific player she is she could play anywhere really in this side it wouldn't make too much of a difference front third Isabel Habuda Gold Coast Stephanie Latham Capalaba and Amy Gunston from Lyons so I certainly remembered Amy Gunston James yes on the bench I have Georgina Worth who, who I only put on the bench because she missed so much of the season but what she did play was more than good enough to be in this side Along with Along with Sean Fryer, Lainey Fryer, Harriet Withers, Antique & Riding and Alex Bundelow Coaching. There we go. Okay.
2: Oh, My coach is Rob Askew, by the way.
0: Fair enough. Look, we've got quite a good uh, bit of talent in these competitions, don't we? Just a bit. Okay. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. We are done now. Thank you everyone who's stuck with us for the last hour and a half. It's been good to shake off some of our off-season rust for the podcast proper. Uh, Thank you, Adam yes thanks James thanks
1: Scott and Scott good okay. to have you back in the studio thank you hopefully some big of the coaches week. didn't quite listen to our teams of the year or else we might be in a bit of trouble over the next weekend week or so yep but a big weekend coming up yes
0: that's it um Saturday night especially live on MPL TV five semi-finals um in about a four hour maybe five hour span depending on extra time and penalties it's going to be a fantastic weekend um and if you can get out and enjoy the live atmosphere of the football as well because the clubs obviously are still more than happy to have the supporters there as long as they're keeping uh, respectful and everything and COVID safe apparently yes that's it Um, otherwise thank you everyone for tuning in it has been the Brisbane Football Review get out and enjoy the football this weekend we'll be back with another show soon